Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor. .fm to get started. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger baseball. What is up everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. We're live here at The Incline Studio, a.k.a. my guest bedroom. It's just me today, joined by Jake Reiner, who was with us last time. What's going on, Jake? Man, I am so happy that baseball is back. It's going to be weird. It's going to be fun. But, God, I've been wanting, wanting this day to come for so long. I'm right there with you. At this point, I feel like we're almost at – we would have been at the halfway mark in a regular campaign close to that 80 games. Dodgers probably would have been running away with the division by now. But thankfully, Rob Manfred stepped it up. He's thrown down the 60 games. So that's what the number is going to be, a 60-game season. I'm going to throw this at you, Jake. How do you feel about that number? It's a weird number, but I think what we talked about last time on the pod, which is that it's going to be a fun sprint. So every game is going to matter. It's going to be high intensity. You're going to see teams that you wouldn't normally uh, see in the playoff hunt, in the playoff hunt. It's going to be a bloodbath in the NL West because the Dodgers are going to face their uh, NL West rivals for the majority of the season. And then the only interleague play that we'll see is against AL West opponents. So the Dodgers are going to be playing the Astros, which is going to be really exciting. Yes. We'll get to that in a little bit. 
First, let's drop some of the rules that are worth noting. On opening day, which is set to either be July 23rd or the 24th, we're still waiting for MLB to release the official schedule. Can't wait to see that. Opening day, this is perfect for the Dodgers. You can have a 30-man roster, so you got to love that with their depth. On day 15 of the regular season, the roster will then be reduced to 28. And then on day 29, this is what would have been the new rule, actually. It's a 26-man roster. So for a team like the Dodgers, you got to love them having that extra depth, especially in the bullpen. I know you are very high on the Dodgers bullpen, and you're looking forward to seeing some of those young guys make some long, re long relief appearances. Am I right? Oh, definitely. And I think what we heard from uh, Dave Roberts, we heard some reporting today about the fact that uh, a lot of his starters are going to go maybe uh, four innings to start out uh, the season. So really short outings, which means that guys like Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, Ross Stripling, all those guys that would be starters on any other team are going to be long relievers maybe to start the season. And then, like you mentioned, Kevin, the depth that they have is just unparalleled. It is amazing. And any injuries that come up, which there will probably be. Yes. And then we've also got, you know, some COVID-19 concerns that if those come to light, that the Dodgers are in a great position to back that up. Absolutely. There's just so much to talk about. You just mentioned the reports of Dave Roberts looking to limit his starters, all five of them for their first outing, maybe four innings max. I'm not a big fan of that move. I think if someone like Walker Buehler is absolutely dealing, you shouldn't just pull him out too early. We've seen it in the past where the Dodgers remove their starter a little too early, bring in a young guy, even Walker Buehler back in the day, come in, it's the fifth or sixth inning, and all of a sudden they get lit up. Every game is so precious, like you already mentioned. I think you got to go with the hot arm and not overthink things like Dave Roberts has done in the past. Yeah, I I agree with you. I'm on the fence about this just because we're in we're in uncharted waters here. So we, we don't really know how it's going to play out, and we don't have the luxury of 162 games to allow the starters to get warm and loose. So they may go four innings to start, but then maybe their second or third outing, they're going to go a lot longer. And it'll also be interesting to see how Dave Roberts manages the bullpen. He's had some issues over the years in the in, in no games kidding. that matter in the playoffs of managing the bullpen. It'll it, it it's going to be a, a real test to see if he's learned anything over the past few years on how to maximize uh, the bullpen this season. Yes. So July 1st, July 3rd, whatever it's going to be, that's when we're going to get spring training 2.0. And that's where I feel the Dodgers really got to take advantage of this time to really get everyone in sync, figure out everyone's appropriate role. It's going to be a little different because I don't think they're playing against other teams. I think it's all intra-squad, if I'm not mistaken. And it's yep. actually going to be not in your typical venues in Arizona. They'll be playing some games at Dodger Stadium. Also, they'll be playing some games at the USC Complex. Angels, they'll be out in Long Beach, former alumni right here. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's really exciting for a guy like Dustin May to really battle with some guys like Mookie Betts. Cody Ballinger should really make him a better pitcher long-term. Yeah, I, I think that anytime you have 
your pitch, anytime you have a lineup that the Dodgers have to trot out there against your own pitchers to start to warm them up, I think will prepare them for the season, hopefully. And I think I did read something about maybe there being some exhibition games, maybe a couple toward the end before yes. the season starts. Um, but yeah, mainly intra squad games. And uh, like we mentioned at the top, facing, ma- you know, mostly the NL West opponents, each you know, team, whatever division they're in, will face their uh, division rivals within their own division and then their AL counterparts in the same, you know, division on the other side. Yes. So speaking of that, so far it's not confirmed, but it seems very likely they're going to face each NL West team 10 times. How that's divided up, you would think it'd be five and five, but we can't confirm that yet. And then, yes, the AL West, the Angels are going to be the bulk of that uh, division. They're going to play them six times. That was what was last reported. And then it would be a combination of four and three with the remaining teams. Houston Astros are the big subject, obviously, with a lot of Dodger fans. A lot of hatred between the two ball clubs. And I'm not talking about the actual teams. I'm talking about the fans. They absolutely hate the Astros. And they want to see the Dodgers retaliate, but we recently got a statement from Kenley Jansen stating he has no intention of throwing at the Astros. And I kind of have a feeling this is going to be the entire Dodgers staff mentality. They're going to go about the mature way of handling things and just settle things on the field the clean way. What about you? How do you feel about all that? I like that. I I think the Dodgers uh, have – taken the high road in all of this in in everything that's come out about the Astros cheating scandal. The Dodgers have taken the high road. I loved what Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger said during spring training. They said what they needed to say. You saw what happened. It's sort of the evidence speaks for itself. And I really like that about how uh, the Dodgers handled that situation. So I don't think there needs to be any retaliation. Obviously there are some fans out there that would like to see it. And coming from someone that lived in Houston for a time, I can tell you uh, those fans are <laughs> not the best fans. They are, they are quite annoying, I must say. And I don't care who hears me on this because they <laughs> – honestly, they, Kevin, they, they act like they've won, they, they, they've won a ton of stuff. And they've only yeah. recently been good, right? I mean, since yeah. – you know, they, they were in the World Series in 2005. But, like, since then, they just – they've never really come together. And now that they've got a team, they started acting like they were the New York Yankees. And I was just, I don't know. I'm just like, chill out, dude. And and now that that their World Series has basically been, you know, illegitimized, for for lack of a better word, they've got a big asterisk next to it. They've they've got nothing to cling to. So I think the damage has been done. Um, I don't really want to see any of our our pitchers uh, retaliate or get injured as a result of a brawl. I know that there's rules in place against fighting, but you know sometimes the blood boils up and you can't really stop yourself from doing that. So right. we'll have to see how it goes. Although I, I think I do remember reading something uh, when uh, it was rumored that Ross Stripling and Jock Peterson were being traded to the angels and then that fell through that Ross Stripling was looking forward to facing the Astros and maybe plunking a few of their guys. So, you know, Kenley might have to do some talking to Ross Stripling, but I I, I feel like, I feel like the rest of the guys have sort of said what they need to say at this point. Yeah, I agree. Another caveat that I just can't seem to figure out if this will, will actually happen or not is certain stadiums are possibly going to allow limited fans 
into the arena to attend the ball game. I'm not too optimistic that this plan's actually actually going to occur. That's all I wanted to say about that. Well, and and to that point, I heard something online floating around where uh, someone suggested, and I can't remember who it was. I wish that I did, but someone suggested that they allow Dodgers fans to park in the parking lot of Dodgers Stadium, have them listen to the game on the radio, or maybe put it up on a big screen somewhere, and then use their sort of car horns as <laughs> as response or as sort of crowd filler, which I thought was a funny idea. Yeah, I'd be for that. Another rule change that's worth highlighting for all you deadline fans out there. Usually this is a big day for Dodgers. They tend to pull off a big move. Not sure that's going to happen this go around. The deadline has been moved from July 31st to August 31st. My only comment is I think the Dodgers could definitely add a reliever, AKA a guy that I always pull for on Twitter, Ken Giles. But besides that, just uh, I wanted to also bring you in, Jake, because before the show you were talking about all the other interesting rule changes that basically have to do with sanitation and hygiene. Yeah. So the LA Times has a great little uh, article up about all the weird kind of rules that they've implemented. So one of them being uh, no high fives, no fist bumps or hugs, no fighting, no arguing with the umpires, which is which will be funny to see if if they start barking at each other from the dugout. So you can't come out and argue a, a call with the umpires. There will be no lineup card exchanges between the managers before the games. Um, and a couple of the weirder ones, like pitchers will be allowed to carry a wet rag to avoid licking their fingers for moisture. It's just kind of a gross thought to put in your mind. Uh, and then they're also, they'll also be required to have their own rosin bag. Um, players must use their own pie, pine tar rags, bat donuts, and other equipment on the on-deck circle. And then uh, a couple of the other weird rules, players are quote, strongly discouraged from throwing the ball around the infield after an out, which that's weird. I mean, okay, we're, you know, I guess they're trying to limit the amount of players touching the baseball, but, you know, that sort of goes out the window if, if you, you know, I guess they'll be maybe replacing the baseballs more frequently than we're used to. Um, and then a couple of the other ones, players are not expected uh, that are not expected to play in the game shouldn't sit in the dugout. Lockers must be six feet apart. Mascots are allowed in the stadiums, but not on the field. That's not going to concern Dodgers fans at all. Um, so yeah, a couple of weird rules. Uh, one of the most significant ones though, Kevin, uh, two of them actually, one of them being a universal designated hitter yep. and the extra inning rule where you start oh, yes. uh, with a runner on second base. That was coming up next. What do you think? I'll just chime in and sounds like this is going to this is just going to be straight business going to see a dodger hit a home run they're going to trot around the base and essentially act like nothing happened walk-offs are going to certainly be different as well we'll see how teams can get creative there yes the extra inning rule i find it very interesting i know a lot of people are very passionate they have one side or the other for me i'm kind of in favor of it to be honest i think the dodgers can get really creative here and possibly use those random signings such as Terrence Gore, mm. sub them in as a pinch runner. I mean, all you got to really do is move the runner over and get a sack fight. Sound seems really easy in my opinion. But I think trying to condense these games down is what you got to do just because it's such a short season and they're playing so many games in such a limited amount of time. So I'm really all for it. Keep those pitchers' arms fresh. 
really help avoid those injuries just because there's not going to be really a sophisticated minor league system either for guys to truly be in game shape. So I think this is actually a smart move. Yeah, I think so too. It'll also be a test to see if Major League Baseball would like to actually implement these rules for an entire regular season, right? So they've tinkered with things like the pitch clock and and, yeah. and all of that stuff. Um, so having this runner on second base rule to start extra innings is going to add the extra drama to it. If you didn't need, if you didn't already have enough drama with the fact that there's only 60 games and every game counts, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere pretty early on. So I, I'm a, I'll, let's see how it goes. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I just, just to, you know, sort of throw that out, throw this out there. I am one of the sort of baseball purists. I, I love the sacrifice bunt. I love the pitching changes. I love the strategy, the gamesmanship. So a lot of that's going to be lost. Um, yeah. But one of the one of the weirder rules that sort of contradicts baseball trying to speed up games is the fact that you know how after the inning ends and maybe there's a runner. Let's say that they leave a runner on second base. Another player from the dugout will bring out the other guy's hat and glove. Yeah. Well, you can't do that anymore. The You're player right. that's stranded on second base has to go back into the dugout to get his gear to come back out on the field. So I don't know if that's going to delay things, but that's just another weird rule to like limit the amount of touching that happens between teammates. Yeah, I see what you mean there. It's going to be really interesting. I kind of have a feeling that these games are going to go kind of on the quicker side, even though they added the three batter minimum rule, that's going to stay. I like I think, that. It's weird. It adds an extra, you know, yeah, uh, cur- curveball, so to speak, to to the whole process. I I think I think uh, relievers will. Uh, we're going to get away from the specialist reliever, and we're going to have guys that um, really have to change their game almost to face both righties and lefties because you're going to have managers. They already do this anyway, but they're going to be stacking the lineup right, left, right, left, right, left, so that you don't that you can't bring in a guy like Adam Kalerik and face, you know, two to three lefties in a row. Yep. RIP to Adam Kalerik, potentially. He's going to have a rough go around. We saw it in spring early on. But, yeah, back to the game speeding up. I think with no fans in the stands, for whatever reason, I have this gut feeling that pitchers are going to be throwing a lot quicker than what we're used to seeing. Maybe because there are just less distractions going on. They'll be able to focus a little more. So they'll be more on the 25 to 30, or I actually don't know the average. I think they'll be more on the 20-second side of things rather than the 30-second side. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, just um, don't tell Pedro Baez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's gotten better, at least. He's gotten better. But the joke always was you could order a pizza and you'd get it by the time <laughs> before Baez was done with an inning. <laughs> So moving on, I guess the other little dicey thing that came out today was the Dodgers did admit that a few people within the organization, we don't know who, tested positive for the virus. So there's actually a lot of players that are coming out testing positive. So it's really interesting to see how that's going to affect Major League Baseball in 2020. They did add like a 10-day DIL for anyone that, does test positive, they'll have to quarantine themselves and hopefully they'll be cleared by the time that's up. Right. So 10 day IL. 
There's also a lot of a lot of protocols in place that I was reading about where players will be tested for the virus every other day and then twice a day they'll be tested for symptoms of the virus. So there's going to be a lot of things in place to where if there is someone that tests positives they're they're going to, you know, take them out of the of the fold of the rotation for a few days just so that everything kind of settles down. So you're you're going to see I I I'm thinking we're going to see a lot of that. I hope that it doesn't get so bad that they have to shut everything down. I mean, that, that would just be the, you know, the worst case scenario, I think. Yes, that would be the worst. AJ Pollock, this guy always seems to just come up in the drama. Although in this circumstance, I can't fault him for whatever decision he's going to make. But we still are not 100% certain if AJ Pollock's going to suit it up in 2020. What do you think the reaction would be if he chooses to opt out of this season? That's an interesting question because from a fan standpoint, I think it'll make, it may make the Dodgers uh, outfield, you know, log jam, so to speak, a little easier to deal with because you got one less mouth to feed, so to speak. Yeah. On the other hand, for fans sake, I know that, that he did not have the easiest introduction as a Los Angeles Dodger. He did not play well. He didn't even play a full season last year. And then we saw what he did in the playoffs, which he, he may, he, he may as well have not gone up there with a bat. Um, but, you know, saying all that, I think that, you know, his decision, whatever he makes, you know, because he's doing it in the interest of his uh, newborn baby that he had this off season, uh, of, of whether or not he feels comfortable going to the ballpark and potentially bringing something home and endangering his family. You've got to think about all of those things. It sort of struck with me because it's, it's similar to my situation where I was uh, reporting for KCBS KCAL up until March. And then I decided to take myself out of the rotation because I didn't want to bring anything home with me. I live with my girlfriend. So, and they were, you know, completely understanding of that. So it's sort of a similar situation for AJ Pollock. I think yeah. fans will understand that he, that, that he doesn't want to play, but let's say, let's say for the sake of argument that Cody Bellinger or Mookie Betts was having the same kind of trepidations. I think fans would be a little bit more up in arms about that. <laughs> if Mookie Betts was to sit out, then there's no doubt in my mind, you could call the Dodgers the most cursed team right now. Oh, Definitely. <laughs> But yeah, speaking of Mookie Betts, definitely pumped up to see him play. Can't wait to oh see him. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> this a, is... friend of, a friend of mine said, uh, or texted me, he's a Detroit Tigers fan, which doesn't really mean anything. Uh, Te- but <laughs> he texted me saying, you know, is uh, Los Angeles Dodgers outfielder going to be this, uh, Los Angeles Dodgers outfielder Mookie Betts going to be the same thing as Florida Marlins catcher Mike Piazza? Um, and I thought, well, let's wait and see what happens this season. I hope that uh, we can get through a full season so that we don't have to, you know, sort of laugh at the fact that Mookie Betts was quote unquote, a Dodger. Um, hopefully he plays the whole season and then they sign him in the off season. Yes. Couldn't but I'm excited. I'm really excited. It, it's such a, it's such a, it was such a great trade when it happened. There's so much buzz around it. The thought of not having a season without seeing him play for the Dodgers is really weighing on my mind and a lot of other people's, I'm sure. So the yes. fact that we're going to get to see him, going to you know, see him play alongside Cody Bellinger in just this all-star lineup that we have, I, I, I'm super pumped for it. I'm, yeah, right there with you. I'm going to steal this from David, who 
kind of created this on Twitter yesterday. I want your team MVP. I want one disappointment and I want one hot take. Okay. You want me to go first? Yeah. All right. So my team MVP is going to be Max Muncie. I just think that in this shortened season, he's going to tear it up and he's just, he's an awesome, awesome hitter. Um, The Cy Young, I think is going to be Walker Bueller. I think he's hands down the best pitcher we have. Yeah. The best reliever I think is going to be my man, Pedro Baez. (laughs) I think he's gotten, he's gotten better and better every single year. And I, and, and I, and I, and I love to see it too, because there, there was a few years ago where like I would get on him every time and be like, why are you bringing this dude in? He's terrible, whatever. And he's had some really rough outings, but, Recently, over the last couple of years, he's figured it out, and uh, I think he'll have a really nice season. I think the one uh, disappointment for me is going to be Blake Trinan, just mm. because we don't know kind of what he's going to bring to the table coming off a really down uh, year last year, which was coming off a really stellar year yep. before that. So um, I, I think he'll be the disappointment. And then my hot take on Twitter, although I may amend it uh, – depending on what happens to A.J. Pollock. But I think A.J. Pollock has a career season for the Dodgers, and he ends up being a real factor down the stretch. I would hope so, especially since in the past he's done so well against NL West teams. So this is the perfect schedule for Pollock. Oh, yeah. And, and with the DH, too, because he, yes. he has lost about five or six steps in the outfield. So having that guy, you know, maybe play uh, DH uh, against lefties or, or whatever and really bulk up the outfield with good defenders, I think could be really good for him. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to plant my flag and I'm sticking with Paul. It's going to be their DH all season. We'll see how it plays out, but I just really think they wouldn't give him all that money just to be a platoon player. So but obviously with a shortened season. He's got to play well, though. Honestly, like, yeah, you know, exactly. I don't care how much money he's making. If he's not hitting, he's, he, he cannot be in this lineup. Oh, absolutely, yeah. If he's struggling, then they'll go to Matt Beatty or someone else. But Pollock's going to get the first crack. We'll see. I What's guess. your list? Yeah, so I'll start with the bad ones. So my disappointment is going to be the catcher, Will Smith. Mm. The dude really – slid into a terrible funk the second half of last year and it's really carried on in spring training he's just not making good contact I think he's gotten a little home run happy he needs to learn how to really lock in on the baseball and focus more on doubles and singles I think that would do him more justice defensively I mean he's great but that leads into my hot take where Austin Barnes is going to take over as the primary catcher at some point. Oh, my God. That is a scalding hot take. It's very hot. And Dodger fans don't like Austin Barnes. And I don't understand why because he does a really good job behind the plate. You look at the numbers with Kershaw. I'll tell you why, Kevin. He can't hit. He can't hit. But (laughs) if you have seven other guys and now a DH who can hit, you should be fine. Right, but if Will Smith can handle the pitching staff and he's in the lineup, you know, pretty much every day and there's a chance he could hit me, you know, a three-run homer, I'd rather go with Will Smith than Austin Barnes any day. Totally, but if he's hitting 110 again like he was in the okay, second half. Okay, fine. <laughs> so we'll see. I know I'm a, I'm 
on an island over there, but yeah, you really are. Dodgers seem to do good when it's Austin Barnes season. Okay, so my side. I will give him credit though. I will give him credit though. At the end of 2017, when he took over for Grandall, he was awesome in the playoffs, and um, yeah, or maybe not in the playoffs, but he was awesome down the stretch. He had some good hits in the playoffs. Um, yeah, but so yeah, Team Cy Young. I know Bueller is the hot pick, and he very well could be their team's best pitcher. But I'm going to lean Clayton Kershaw. I think this is like his last hurrah where he's finally healthy. I think his arm's going to be as fresh as it's ever been in the last few years. I'm really hoping he's mastered that slider and can control his first pitch problems. But I I wrote an article just the other day explaining why Clayton Kershaw, this is the perfect season for him because after about 13, 14 starts into the season, Clayton Kershaw locks it in in July. He has a career ERA of 1.70. That's his best of any month. He holds opponent batting average to under 200 as well. He's made 53 starts. He has 33 wins. And if the Dodgers make the postseason, that's the time of the year where Clayton Kershaw will be pitching in the postseason, which is exactly what you want. Kershaw at his best when the games really matter. Boy, I really hope you're right. I would love to see it, man. I'd love to see Kershaw get some redemption in the postseason. I thought thought that Roberts hung him out to dry in the last in the last playoffs against yes. the, against the Nationals. So oh my God, Jeez. dude! I was like, he got Adam Eaton out. Now don't let him go back out there. What are you doing? Oh, oh yeah, God, it grilled. was so. It was just you know I felt because I felt so bad for him because he. Everyone loves to just rain on his parade all day long. All my friends are like, oh, here comes playoff Kershaw. And it's just like, gosh, can't he just, you know, have some success? And even if – because if he had just faced that one batter and he was done. Yeah. And, I mean, wow. You know what I mean? Like, wow. I I didn't even think they should have brought him in in that scenario. But he gets out of trouble. He gets out of meat and strikes him out. And it's just like – that, that should have been it for him. Yes. I'm rooting for him all the way. I hope you're right. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of bad content that we did just bashing Roberts for that decision. But oh, God. we can move ahead to 2020 now. So your disappointment is actually my top reliever. And I'm not even going to say Kenley Jansen loses his closing job. I just think Blake Trinan is going to be that good as the eighth inning guy. I think he's going to give them something special on the scale of what Brandon Morrow brought, he's going to have a high one, low two ERA. He lights out. He can get those three outs, no problem. So I'm all in on trying and love the signing. I was definitely pulling for that. Also, I don't know off the top of my head what his numbers were against uh, the AL West, but he recently pitched for the A's. So he's right. going to be facing a lot of the guys that he, that he knows uh, facing AL West teams. So that could be good or bad, depending on what his numbers are. But just having that experience is, uh, is, is something in his favor. Yeah, that's a really good point. And he was on the Athletics, a team they'll be facing. So hopefully he has some inside info to give the Dodgers. And I guess, finally, my team MVP, not Bellinger, not Muncy, not even Mookie Betts. I'm going Corey Seager. Whoa. Bounce back year. That's almost a scalding hot take. (laughs) And I'll tell you why, even though this technically doesn't make a lot of sense, but I like to think it does. When Nomar Garcia Parra turned 26 for the Boston Red Sox, he put up a 357 batting average, 
And then he followed it up with a 372 batting average. And I feel like the player that you can compare the most to Nomar Garciaparra when this guy was at his 100% healthy is Corey Seager, who just turned 26 himself. And we saw it last year. He led the National League in doubles. I think he's finally going to be 100%. Hopefully he has no freak injuries like pulling a hammy. But I think he's going to have so many opportunities with the runners on base. Last season, he hit over 300 with runners in scoring position. I think he can hit probably 350 if Mookie Betts and Muncie or Bellinger are on base. And I think he's going to get a lot of RBIs. Here's the thing about Corey Seager that I think will benefit him is if he stays off the field as much as possible. What I mean by that is being, you know, as, as it, if we can get him to DH, yeah. you know, as much as possible, I think that benefits him. I think he's a liability on the field as a shortstop. I don't think he's a great shortstop. He doesn't have great range. His arm is suspect. He just had Tommy John surgery. So I think that what we, what we need from him is his bat. So if, right. he, if he's healthy enough to swing the bat, I want him hitting in that lineup. Um, I think that if Roberts can limit his time on the field uh, playing shortstop, I think that all the better for him. Definitely. And Derek Jeter proved you don't have to be a good defender at shortstop to make a huge <laughs> impact on your team. So, all right. I think we covered pretty much all the latest updates, unless I'm forgetting something, but I definitely had a few other questions in store for you. Go for it. Okay. We were talking just an hour ago about Dodgers managers, and I mm. wanted to hear your ranking of the ones in your lifetime. So, I don't know who we'd start with, but we can start with Jim Tracy if you want. Um, I think I can start actually with Davey Johnson. Okay, yes. I think that was like 99, 2000 from when I really, you know, started to get into Dodger baseball. I didn't really know much about Davey Johnson. All, the only thing I know about him is that they, that they passed over Mike Sosha for him, which never really made a lot of sense because Mike Sosha was – a Dodger yes. and then he goes to the angels and you know, wins the world series there. So anyway, um, but I wouldn't put Davey Johnson in there. My, are you, are you asking me to rank my, my least favorite managers or my favorite managers? You can go worst to best. Okay. Worst has to be Don Mattingly. Yes. I, I think he was weighing over his head. He I called him Donnie double switch. The dude did a double switch every like it's seventh inning was freaking clockwork. He would come out, come out to home plate and make a double switch. I think he just liked doing that. I don't think he really understood why he was doing it, but he was, he was just bad. I also wanted him to like, just, you know, wake up dude. Like I need some firepower within you. Anyway, he, he was by far my least favorite. Yeah. I'll back that up. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, around the same, uh, you know, sort of, around the same kind of uh, list, I guess. I can't really talk right now. Um, person I would put down towards the bottom, there we go, is Grady Little. Yeah. Uh, I think Grady Little was a, you know, was a disaster. He had, he had a real rough time coming over from the Red Sox, having that, you know, complete uh, meltdown with Pedro Martinez. And, and yeah, it, it was just bad. He wasn't, he wasn't that great. Um, I... Jim Tracy is towards the bottom for me. Um, he just did something. We just had a long line of, of Dodger managers that have kind of been like very sleepy almost, having that kind of like laid back attitude where it's like when we had 
uh, Tommy Lasorda. It's like, that's what we need. That We need a guy that just, you know, is willing to fire up the team. He was sort of like a mascot, yep. you know, in a way for the Dodgers. And I think that's what, what I've always wanted uh, for, for the, for the manager of the, of the team. Um, honestly, like, I can't really tell you who, who would be my favorite. I mean, maybe Dave Roberts up there, but like he's had so many bad postseasons. It's just, it, you know, he's a great, he's a great guy. You want to, you know, he's just a good dude. He's like a good person. So, and I loved watching him play as a Dodger. So I think that that's why I hold on to some feelings for Dave Roberts, but yeah, if I had to pick my favorite, it would probably either be Dave Roberts or Joe Torrey. Yeah. I can't really dispute any of that. Grady Little was always a very random hire. He had his two years there, <laughs> and then yeah. he was out the door. Going with uh, Don Magley as Joe Torrey's replacement was definitely not a smart decision either, but... Oof. Yeah, if I had to choose between Joe Torre and Dave Roberts, for now, I just don't think Dave Roberts is a good manager. I find him highly overrated. I think he's just been dealt the best hand every year, the amount of talent he's been given, and he still manages to find creative ways to lose games for the Dodgers. And yes, Joe Torre wasn't elite by any sense, but I felt like he had a consistent game plan where you're like, at least you knew the lineup every day that was coming out. You knew which reliever had their role. He, he trusted his starters enough to let them pitch. Yeah. To when they I were think, done. I think what if, what if we had Joe Torrey managing this Dodgers team in the, in the Andrew Friedman era of the, you know, the, uh, the Guggenheim era of Dodger baseball. Yeah. If we had Joe Torrey with this roster, I think we win maybe one or two championships. Absolutely. Not to, not to blame it all on Dave Roberts, but Man, I mean, I can come up with some just horrendous decisions that he's made to really hurt us. Yep. It's painful to list them out. Um, yeah, what's funny is you mentioned how the Dodgers have had kind of this sleepy spell of managers. And it's very similar to what the Lakers have gone through the last decade almost with Mike D'Antoni, Mike Brown, uh God, I can't remember. Byron Scott, there it is. They were all yeah. bad. So, are you? I, I've never asked you this. Uh, are you following the Lakers, or are you more Dodgers? Oh yeah, and I'm Rams? following the Lakers. I'm following the Lakers. Cool. I, I love. I love the fact that uh, we're we're getting basketball back too, because I feel like if the Lakers don't win this year or maybe next year, but certainly this year, because Anthony Davis is going to be a free agent. Yeah. And I, I don't know if we're going to win with LeBron. I don't know. Like I, I, if they don't keep this team in. So I think with LeBron. I wanted to get your take on this then, because this is something I wanted to talk about thoughts on Avery Bradley opting to oh, sit out. Gosh, it, it, it hurts the team. It really hurts the team. He is one of the guys, one of the unsung heroes this year for this team, whether he's starting or coming off the bench. He's been one of our best defenders. Yes. He's, uh, his shooting has improved. So dishing it out, uh, hitting a corner three when we need him to, it's really going to hurt us. And I've heard that they're considering getting J.R. Smith, which is just, oh, boy. oh my God. Ugh. 
I yep. mean, the dude's like a, you know, he can get hot. Like, you know, like kind of like Nick Young can, can, can could get hot yeah. or Sasha Vujicic could get hot. But boy, when he's cold, he is ice cold. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's, it's not good. Yeah. I feel like most basketball fans get this, that the absence of Bradley's really going to hurt them just because he's such a terrific perimeter defender. And when you replace him with J.R. Smith, you're downgrading big time. And just not a big J.R. Smith fan, to be honest. Hopefully, Dion Waiters can bring something. kind of like that move. And hopefully we don't see more minutes from Rondo because he's just not been efficient this year. (laughs) Um, what's the latest with the LA Rams? Actually, the stadium appears to almost be ready, but probably not going to get fans. It seems. What are you hearing? Yeah, I, I I feel like the the stadium's you know slowly being built during this time, which has been kind of crazy to think about that that it's still you know on track as far as I know to open the season. Um, there, you know, there's controversy with the logo and the, yeah. but the uniform, actually, it's funny. Cause the, cause the logo was such a, uh, a poor response. Everyone hated it. A, a sort of a collective hatred for it, but the uniforms people love, um, which I thought was interesting. The new uniforms are, are, are looking great, but yeah. What, what, what's your take on, on the Rams? I assume you're a Rams fan and not a Chargers fan. No, definitely no Chargers over here. Um, I'm actually wearing a Ram shirt, but um, the logo thing wasn't too big on it. I kind of found it a little corny what they were doing with that. Yeah. And I also thought the whole point of the top of the stadium was to look like their old logo. That was at least what fans were Photoshopping or something. But (laughs) (laughs) I like the new uniforms. I actually think they're very sick though. And I'm a big Jared Goff fan. A lot of wow, a lot of people throw this guy under the bus. He is essentially the Tony Romo of this decade, in my opinion, where the fans just want to hate on someone. And because he's an LA quarterback that was picked number one overall, even though he's the best QB in his draft class to this day, they're just going to hate on the guy just because of that horrendous Super Bowl performance. But before that, the dude lit up the Chiefs. He lit up the Saints. He has a great arm. He can throw the ball deep. The offensive line is what really needs to step up. Todd Gurley was essentially useless last year. So I like the Cam Akers draft pick. But it's a little early to make these kind of predictions. But I do think Jared Goff is going to finish top five in MPV MPV voting in 2020. That is another scalding hot take, (laughs) Kevin. Um, I, I, I'm kind of with you on the Jared Goff thing. I think that he, he was dealt a bad hand last season. The offensive line was a revolving door. They couldn't yep. use Todd Gurley. So, so much confusion surrounding if Gurley was healthy or not. And like, could we, you know, make sense of what we were seeing with our eyes versus what we were being told is going on. It was just very confusing. Yep. So I think that, um, once Goff gets the pieces around him, he'll he'll be fine. But but to the point, I don't I don't necessarily think that fans are hating on Jared Goff because 
he's in the LA market or, or, or whatever. I think that there's some reason for, for that a negative opinion of him. He has not been as elite as one should be getting picked in the draft as high as he was picked and getting paid as much money as he right. was being paid. And you kind of wanted to see him, you know, because he just got that contract extension for a hundred million dollars or however many, <laughs> how, however much it was guaranteed. Yeah. You kind of wanted to see the level of play match that a la like Tom Brady. I mean, look, Tom Brady's in another universe, but the dude can handle any roster, you know, he can take that, that Patriots roster was nothing last year. And he took them as, you know, he, he almost took them and won the whole thing. So to me, it was like, that's, that's kind of what I, what I, what I wanted to see. He had some bad games for sure last year. And I'll agree. They overpaid him. Doesn't matter now, but I thought the Todd Gurley contract was just stupid. And Oh, yeah, it showed. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, Vegas, or maybe not Vegas, but some of those online betting sites, they got the Dodgers with the highest win total, 38 wins. I think that seems pretty appropriate. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we close the show out? I'm really looking forward to the Dodgers beating up the NL West and beating them to a bloody pulp. I just, man, could you – could you pick a better division to be in for this scenario? I, I don't think so. I, I don't totally. see any team in that division coming close to what the Dodgers are going to do. And yeah, maybe they'll face some, um, some difficulties with the Astros and the A's, but psh, angels, you know, they don't have yeah. any pitching. The Mariners are not going to do anything. The Rangers will be, you know, middle of the pack. Yep. I don't see anybody coming close to the Dodgers in this, in this uh, division. I'm right there with you. And with that being said, we still get some fun little rivalries. So there's going to be some excitement in this division, even though hopefully the Dodgers run away, but we might see Puig go to the Giants. Oh, that would be so weird. Wouldn't it? (laughs) It would be pretty weird. Then you got Mad Bum. He's still in the division. Now he's with the Arizona Diamondbacks. That seems very fitting. Cole Calhoun, the Dodger killer, he's with the Diamondbacks now, so I'm sure he'll provide a little pain. And, uh, you know, the Rockies, you can't sleep on their offense. They're still going to slug, especially at Coors Field. Arenado, a Dodger favorite for whatever reason. A lot of fans want to see him come to L.A. as a third baseman down the line. And then you got the Padres, who are just there. Right. (laughs) I'd say out of all the teams in the NL West, the, the one team that I would be the most fearful, if I could say that word, is probably the Diamondbacks. I think yep. that they have the, the, the pieces there to make it interesting. But again, nobody comes close to the talents the Dodgers have. Right. And I'll say it for another show where I break down everyone in our division. But yeah, this is very exciting. Baseball is coming back. All you Dodger fans out there, I know you're fired up. We got more Incline episodes to come. Finally, the content is here for us so we can actually talk about things that aren't ridiculous, hypothetical. And I think that's going to conclude this show today. Jake, really appreciate you coming on. Have you on again very soon to talk more Dodgers and what's going on. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for listening to the Incline, and we're out.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.